This is Dr. Pei from the Relaunch Show. You are listening to Bob Nali from the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Wonderful. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? Me too. <laughs> Episode six of the Labrador Leadership Podcast. So, Miss Alex, how are you? I'm great, Bob. How are you doing? Okay. So, yeah, we're we're a bit delayed getting on here, but snowpocalypse, did it happen to you? Um, you know, we we overestimated uh Mother Nature as per usual up here. Sure. My uh it, nothing happened here in the RVA, less than an inch, actually, over most of it. We had a couple inches here in the West End. But but here's – there used to be a very popular grocery chain here called U-Crops. That's a family name here for those of you that are not in the area. And, uh, and when there was even a forecast of snow, everybody would go running to U-Crops to buy bread and milk. Even though if the forecast was flurries, you know, they were, everybody was in U-Crops. And a good friend of mine uh, who was an operations analyst there at the time called me where I was working then and just said, it's, it's not happening. I went, what's, what's wrong? They go, Richmond can't eat or drink all the milk and bread they are buying right now. I mean, so they had trucks coming in, you know, all the logistics of getting more stuff. And they went, the population that's coming through the store can't eat or drink all they're buying now. So that's <laughs> the way we are. It's a full panic. You know, we're hoarders. You know, we're preparing for the worst. So we didn't have that big an event here either. So that's it. So while while I was watching the snow come down, I, I thought about, about this. And we've talked about, we talked about goal setting and we talked about keeping commitments. So we, we've got some good stuff coming up here. Uh, somebody asked me about, uh, made a mention of how well they were motivating their team. And I thought motivation would be a good thing to talk about today. Uh, and timely enough, I saw a, a YouTube video of a guy named uh, Ted Pink, no, Daniel Pink, who, uh, who wrote a book called uh, To Sell as Human. But he made a great point in this talk. And that point is this. He said, Businesses are are still doing what research is proven is wrong decades ago. And here's that point. Money's not a big motivator. You know, businesses still kind of look at, make sure you pay them. But it, it doesn't motivate people to do well. And here, particularly in the in the digital age, when people are somewhat working apart from one another, throwing more money at it, isn't going to fix it. So, you know, if we talked about motivation a little bit, and I'm certainly not going to ask you what motivates you, and I'm not going to share what motivates me because, you know, we look like a, a couple of yucks and we said, no, money, no, no, that's not important <laughs> to me. But, but here's the difference here. There are some things that will make you dissatisfied if they're not there. And money and money's one of them. Money's one of them. And you rank, there has been research. If you rank the top 10 things that motivate people and they respond, money is deep in the list, like seven or eight. 
But if it's not there, then you're instantly dissatisfied. See? Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So here's some of the things that could dissatisfy you like money. Uh, Security. And I think that means feeling secure where you work, not job security. I mean, the whole picture of job security, I think, has changed a long time ago. I mean, when, when your parents, my parents, were out working, when you signed on with the, with the company, you, were, you had a career. As long as you did your job and they would take care of you. You, you know, my dad retired with 35 years where he worked. And uh, lots of other people like that. I mean, you know, I grew up in the June War Cleaver house as I keep saying, but it's changed now because folks, you know, the gen, the millennials and the gen Y, they're going to have a dozen jobs in their career, if not more. So we're not talking about that kind of job security that if you want to stay here forever and you do your job, you'll be fine. This kind of security means, do you feel safe where you work? Does that motivate you? Well, no, but if you weren't safe, it would be a dissatisfier. And working conditions. So if you work in an office or in a, a cube farm and it, it's nice, it's it's functional, and you have a computer if you need one and a phone if you need one and storage for some things if you need whatever you need, that doesn't motivate you. But if you don't have it, if, you're, if your computer was built in 88 or <laughs> – or you have to go requisition a pen. You know, I'm thinking office space here. Those things are yeah. huge demotivators. <laughs> office perks. Yeah, the perks. <laughs> and the company policies. If they're if they're forward thinking, care for the employees, you know, they're not going to motivate you. But if they're harsh, like sick leave policy or very limited vacation or the inability to flex into your personal life, you know, that they're all dissatisfying. So have named those things like feeling safe there and even salary and things like even status and, and the like. So what are some of the things you think would be a motivator? You know, I'm, I'm pretty old fashioned in the fact that I would say, um, money is, is a motivator, but that's only because I'm trying to, you know, pay my rent and, and clothe myself and that, and that sort of thing. Um, but you know, aside from the materialistic, I don't know, needs of a job as in, you know, money, office perks, um, obviously security. I really think that I kind of take every job as it'll give me a new experience or it'll teach me something that later on down the line I'll, I'll use for a different job. But I think that's the very different kind of millennial view on things. Whereas I'm excited about having as many jobs as I could possibly handle at one time in my lifetime. And I, and I know that's very different from say, you know, somebody that was in the job force in the sixties and seventies where that's all they wanted was that kind of, um, they wanted that career. They wanted the family within the company I just, I think I make a family within the company really quickly. And then I sort of am like, all right, well, what else can I learn? And so I think that being constantly taught things, that's why I really like having kind of a mentor, um, always in, I don't know, in a, in a job with me, I suppose, or in an office with me. I always really look to that older member or the more seasoned member of the team because I like learning from them. It's not, it's not a, 
you know, tell me things, teach me things, show me how to do this. But it's more, I would like other people's takes on things. So I think that's a huge motivator to me. If I can, if I can learn and I can get as much as I can out of each position that I do and learn more and more, I think that's, that's probably what motivates me the most. Well, so would you like to be that person one day? Do you aspire to be that person, that person that everybody's coming to for expertise? Sometimes I end up in that position and honestly it overwhelms me, but I think that, you know, I, I was given some, some management positions and that kind of thing when I was, when I was pretty young. So I'm, I'm used to it a little bit, but I also have that very, you know, kind of hard headed, like I'm doing my work and I, I don't know if I could help you right this second, but I'm sure eventually I'll be able to kind of be a better mentor, a better teacher, but I don't think I'm very good at it right now. Here's as, as you move forward, here's the thing you can look at. Are people, are people turning to you when there's an issue they need help with? Hmm. And, you know, start, and even if you turn them away, you know, they may, there may be other reasons they keep turning to you. And, you know, listening to you speak right now, I remember, you know, since back to the bus driving days, my goodness, you know, the heads always turn when something wasn't right. People look to you and that, and that is part of being a leader. Good for you. Uh, so money, let's back to the money thing. Money can be a motivator, but it, when it is a motivator, it's only a motivator for the short term. So whatever salary you make today, if somebody walks up to you unexpectedly and says, we're so pleased with your work, we're giving you an X thousand dollar increase. And, and that's a lot. Right. And you go, wow, that's great. And you feel wonderful. And you share that with your partner and your family and you go out and celebrate and you walk a little bit more erect and proudly, you know, you just want to do a better job now, but in six months, do you still think that way? It's a motivator in the short term. It's a motivator in the short term. What tends to work more is recognition. Being recognized on a grounded basis for something you did that was that was a job well done. Absolutely. It hasn't happened to me that that often, but I am still young, so here's the hoping. And you know, many places don't don't even have staff meetings anymore. Every they have things like stand ups where you just meet outside the break room or in the big open area at the same hour at the stroke of 11 o'clock every day. Mm -hmm. And it would be good to have the manager, the senior person there say, this is what's going on and that's going on as well. And I want to recognize Alex for the effort she put in to assist this customer. Uh, She did this and she did that. And the customer bought twice as much or was happy or, you know, did something. And then all the heads turn to you and there's, there's the leadership falling down on you. The mantle is falling down on you right there. I'm blushing, Bob. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing that's a motivator is the work itself. Can you be made, can you, do you want to take responsibility for it? Are you given responsibility for it? And if you perform well, take the responsibility and fulfill your commitments. There we go. Back to episode zero. We're back to commitments. Imagine that. Will you advance? Advance mean perhaps more money, but more title. Is yes. that important status? Recognition is important as well. It's that all goes together for that sense of achievement. 
So then all of a sudden you're at the top of the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you're self-actualizing and you're actually growing in your job there. Now it, you know, it may not be the job of your dreams. It may not be, you know, your life's work that you want to do, but there's, there's the growth happening right there. That combination of enjoying the work itself, being recognized achievement, being given more responsibility, advancing your growth. Those things end up being at the top of the list of motivators. People that have those things are more satisfied in their jobs. So we've got these two lists here, one way or the other. So let's talk about the satisfaction thing. Remember this, the opposite of satisfaction is what? Well, dissatisfaction. No, it's a trap, and I did it for you right there. No, the (laughs) opposite of satisfaction is no satisfaction. Even though on the left, if you have all of these things in the column you've written down that are points of satisfaction, like achievement, recognition, growth, and advancement, if something on the right, those things that can cause dissatisfaction, if they rear their ugly heads like working conditions, all of a sudden you're not satisfied anymore. Wait a minute, just a month ago, I had a great job. I just got recognized. I got a little bonus. All the good things were happening, but now I'm working for somebody I don't like. The conditions are horrible. I can't get my computer replaced or fixed or whatever. All of a sudden you're dissatisfied. So the opposite of satisfaction is no satisfaction, just like the opposite of dissatisfaction is no dissatisfaction. They're two different things. And if managers, going back to Daniel Pink's uh, TEDx, his whole point is science has known for a long time that money doesn't fix everything. They've talked to workers. They've asked the question. But the first thing companies will try to do is let's throw more money at it. You know, our salary's out of whack. We're going to ask them to do more. We need to do this. So what do you think about that? How does that fit to you? That's the best case scenario. Yeah, I think so. We're going to have them do more. Let's throw money at them. I mean, although I guess the best case scenario would be, you know, we're going to throw more work at them. We're going to throw more money at them. We're going to throw more recognition at them and all those things, you know, because then you you're kind of achieving the the company's goals for them. So they're going to they're going to reimburse you. But I don't know if if that's kind of the, I don't know, help me here. That's the way I would, I would go. Yeah. You know, there's not everybody's on board with this perspective. You know, the research is solid behind it, but you know, there are some people that argue against it because they say when things are going well, people tend to look at the things that they like about the job. But when things go badly, they look at all the external things, all the externalities. They look at the salary, the status, the, their, their manager, and all of those things when the job gets really tough. So that's that's kind of difficult as well. But if the science is behind it and you want to, you know, if you're a manager, if you're the leader and you want to try to fix it one way or the other, the, the step one you have to look at is eliminate the dissatisfaction. Don't add more satisfiers. You may have satisfiers already there, but if there are any dissatisfiers there, they're just going to negate everything. So look at, look at poor policies, do a policy review, whether it's attendance or vacation or, or any of those things, flex time or whatever. 
fix those. If there's uh, if there are managers that are not effective, leaders that are not supportive, that are you know micromanage all the time just for the sake of micromanagement, how can you feel responsible for anything if you're working for a micromanager? That that's very difficult. Yeah, that's mind. true. So if and if if there's a culture there that is not one of respect, it's fine. You know, if you find if if a consultant comes in and does a job study and you find the salaries are out of line, fix them. But the first thing you have to do is get rid of all those dissatisfiers. Right. Once you do that, then you could turn back to the satisfiers again and come up with a plan to how you could provide opportunities for achievement. How are you going to recognize people's contributions? It could be as simple as that scenario I just described uh, at, the, at a stand-up meeting every day. You know, it could be that simple. It can be uh, just spending more time in earnest conversation. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen it in, you know, you see it in TV and movies when a worker comes up to a leader or a manager and says, I, I have to talk to you. And they go, walk with me. Because they're busy and they're going somewhere. Walk with me. You know, can, can you just not stop and turn and look me in the eye and be engaged to hear what I've deemed is important to tell you? God, did you hear me? I'm sitting here That's banging true. on the desk as I say that. <laughs> you feel strongly about this. I, I, I think if I had somewhere to go, I'd be saying, uh, I'd be saying, I've only got a couple of minutes. I'll be glad to talk to you now, but let's add more. Let's talk again later. Because right. I want to make sure I have all the details. Yeah, I think the communication within kind of every level you could think of um, in a in a corporation or, or even in a, I mean any you know structure really is you know you kind of want to have that nice like interpersonal communication where you can actually physically discuss things. But I think it's also really important for when you go to make these changes. Say if you you have a consultant come in and they say X Y and Z is wrong with the company. I think that the most important thing then to do to keep your to keep all of your employees happy is taking that communication and and kind of putting it out there effectively saying these are the things we're going to change x y and z these are when they're going to change you know we've recognized this because we want to do this for you because you know i think that that is probably the most satisfying thing you can get out of an employer is when they they come to you and they say all right these are the things that we're going to do and they're very kind of upfront and honest about um you know where they plan on going and taking you in your career as well that's a, that's a great point as well that's a great point as well so some of the takeaway here from this is this relationship between motivation and job satisfaction is you know it's it's not it's not rocket science, which is good for all the managers and leaders that are listening. So the problem is that when we try to fix job satisfaction, motivate them, we look at we look at the hygienic factors. We look at those externalities rather than achievement and recognition. I think because it's out of habit or right. we're used to it or that's what we we know to do that's that's actually physical doing something but having that rich communication involving recognition and responsibility and and taking a piece of responsibility for the growth of that person's career you are responsible for your own career i'm responsible for my own career but when i have somebody else that wants to help me be responsible there that's a 
that's a that's a key point. That's a key point. Now, I don't want to don't want everybody to think we just told the world to go out and stop spending money on their employees. Remember, that's <laughs> that's a, a dissatisfier. I championed that. We'll, we'll keep that. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk more about that. I'm sure. Uh, that about that about calls it for today. This has been a good one. All right. Always good to talk to you. <laughs> Hang in there, everybody. Thanks for all your uh, support. Uh, the show is is going great. We're getting some great feedback, and we like to hear from you. So uh, come see us on the website. Uh, remember last time uh, we said email me your goals at bob at labradorleadership.com. I'm not going to look at them. I'll just send them right back to you in the middle of the year so you can judge how you're done. And visit our website because we'd love to hear from you there as well. Everybody, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Next time on the Labrador Leadership Podcast, it's one for the baby boomers, Charlie Posnack from the Boomer Business Owners. See you next time.